ho, 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 and merry silliness to you all. Today, a fascinating interview with Nat Hentoff on jazz, country music, and his book, Listen to the Stories, begins our Norm Nathan show from December 27th, 1995. Because of the time of year, I will title this, The Past is the Present. Next guest, and I'll put guest in air quotes there, would be Rebecca Molly, I believe was the last name. She was a Middlesex news reporter who was doing an article on overnight radio, and her focus was on the people who call talk radio during the overnights. After, Norm teases some guests and features coming up on the show for the week as he filled in for the vacationing Bob Raleigh. One was Jamie Bernard, author of Total Exposure, The Movie Buff's Guide to Celebrity Nude Scenes. Richard Allen Heen with The Offensive Driving Handbook, Anne-Marie Bivens, 101 Secrets to Winning Beauty Pageants, and Bruce Lee, a former WEEI broadcaster, and his wife, Narita, join us later from Sapphire Village on St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Here is our list of callers. The dreaded, unknown caller starts us off. Then we hear from Fred from Medford. A familiar-sounding caller is next, talking about all different stations. Then we hear from Ruth Clennett, Charlie from New York, a caller talking about books and reading, another caller with more on reading, Lynn from North Andover, the amazing Mr. B from Boston, Joan, and then John from Charlestown. Episode 169, The Past is the Present, unwraps its way to your ears in three, two, and one. The stories, Matt Hentoff on jazz and country music. Now, country music, I, I have just become kind of interested in because I find a lot of the uh, country music stuff kind of reminds you of jazz a little bit. And well, I'll tell you, that my interest in it started at WMEX when we had around 5.15, as I remember, a, uh, a, a Western show, country music show, and I approached it at first with great loathing. <laughs> but then I heard Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys, and that was a jazz country group. I heard uh, Patty, what's her name, Patty Klein, and I began it, and, and, and uh, Jimmy Rogers, the singing brakeman, and all through the years, I began to understand what, and I'll tell you how I got the title for the book, Charlie Parker, who, as you know, was revered by all jazz musicians because he turned the music upside down the way Louis Armstrong had done in the 20s. And Bird, as his other name, used to hang out at a tavern in midtown Manhattan where musicians, jazz musicians, congregated. And there was a jukebox. And Bird kept playing the country music records. And the guys were horrified. <laughs> and it took them a long while to say anything because they didn't want to offend the great man. But finally... One of them came up to him and said, Bird, how can you play that music? And Bird said to him very solemnly, listen, listen to the stories. Uh, and, you know, the real country music, the stories are really quite extraordinary. Now, that's interesting. The program you're talking about was called Roundup Time. Summerfields was sponsored by Summerfield Furniture, Furniture Company. That's yeah. right. And it was called Roundup Time. And there was a guy named Remember Revy Hank Meyer yeah. was the announcer on that. They asked him to change his name, and he thought... Irving Hackmeyer was a pretty good radio name. Why change it, you know? <laughs> and he used, to, he used to call himself Texas Irving Hackmeyer, and he played that a lot. Obviously, you did the show a lot. And what, Now, what do you think about uh, country music 
Today, when you talk country music, are you talking about that period mostly? You're talking about no, country music today? No, I mean, today, today? It's, uh, as it became much more popular and much more commercially lucrative, it's split. And there are people who, uh, you know, can come from New Jersey. I think Lee Greenwood came from New Jersey, and they become stars. Or um, what's what, there's, a, there's a, a girl that went to Smith and is now a big star. But they have very little to do with the roots of country music, but there are still people like Ricky Skaggs, and this marvelous singer, Alison Krauss, who records for a Cambridge company, Rounder, and whose last record, to her great astonishment, sold, I think, almost two million copies. That's an interesting story, because when I first heard her, I heard her with uh, the, a, a guy named Stanley. What's his first name? Anyway, his last name is Stanley. He's a very traditional, stubborn, classical country singer and banjo player. And she sang harmony with him, and I figured, gee, she must have come from the same territory in West Virginia or someplace. And her, her records, the purity of her sound and the way she gets inside the lyrics and the whole country feeling is just amazing. Then I find out that she grew up in Champaign, Illinois, which is hardly the, uh, the, the hills of Virginia, <laughs> and she admits, that, not admits, she, she doesn't hide it, um, her first recordings, the first music she heard, were, was rock music at the at the roller dome, so that that takes care of my my thesis that only people who grow up with a certain kind of music can play it. <laughs> no, I know it. In 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 listen to the stories, the uh, the the book we're talking about, the newest one, uh, you you have a, quite a good section on on Duke Ellington, who uh, I think, and I and, and I know that you feel that way too. Has never really gotten credit for having been a great American. I, yeah, I, I think uh, Ellington was the most creative, original composer in the history of American music, and I'd say Charles Ives comes second, but for pretty distant second. Nobody wrote in as many forms as Ellington with as much remarkable ability. I mean, the presence in, in each piece, you could, you could almost see what he was writing about, and very few people could do that. You also give a, talk a little bit about the personal man of, of Duke Ellington because a lot of people don't don't re, really are not acquainted with that. He's mostly his public. I love you madly yeah. and all that kind of stuff. We're familiar with that, but there was another side of Ellington. You, I'm, I'm trying to think of the uh, the TV series that you produced that you were so proud of. I I have the. Uh, what do you mean you don't mean the one with Duke? You mean the Sound of Jazz? The Sound of Jazz, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. We but. did one, the Bob Harris, who also created The Sound of Jazz, and I did a program with Duke. <laughs> we, we spent much of, an, of a whole night trying to convince him to do a long piece, and he was used to the Ed Sullivan kind of show, and he didn't think anybody would be interested. He finally agreed to do it, and it was for the old Metro Media Network, and the, the piece that he did was uh, Harlem, a, a, a tone parallel to Harlem. And it was the best performance of that piece I have ever heard. Unfortunately, Harridge forgot to pick it up the next week. When he came back the next year, it had been erased. Oh, jeez. You know, for economy's sake. Oh, jeez. The sound of jazz was, uh, you know, some a reporter once asked me what my greatest achievement was, and I said it was the sound of jazz, nothing I'd written, but just being part of that program. You refer to that. You refer to some other programs I had I had forgotten about, like 
uh, Camera 3, which was a great uh, show. Well, uh, I was thinking, you know, our television has changed so much through the years. It's, you know how, how much it's changed? There's a new book out called The Box, a big book which is uh, supposedly a compendium of all all the vital things people should know about television, the programs, the creators, the producers, the directors. Robert Herridge, who was the Duke Ellington of television, isn't even mentioned. Oh, geez, that, that, that makes you want to cry. Yeah. And you watch these talk shows in the morning, and they're so full of garbage. And I'm talking about the ones here on WBZ-TV, too. I mean, garbagey. I, I can't understand why management would allow them to go on, except, you know, we're talking in terms of ratings and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, most of most of the uh, the articles in listen to the stories, a lot of them were they have they are they reprints from other publications. Uh, what happened was a good uh, let's see maybe two thirds of them came from columns I've been writing for the Wall Street Journal all for the past I guess eight years or so on the leisure and arts page, and what I did was I updated some of them I extended some of them and then others were 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 pieces that I thought nobody <laughs> would ever see again. My favorite is a long interview I had with uh, Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah, I read one that. One afternoon. And he turned out, talking about j j jazz and country, Merle Haggard embarrassed me because he knew the names of some New Orleans players back then that I'd never even heard of. You're talking about jazz players? Yeah, yeah. And uh, his, his band at the time, he was playing a club in New York, was a jazz band that also played country music. A very good trumpet player who doubled on Aldo, and a, a and a, a electric guitar who, who you know who had listened to lots of Charlie Christian. And Haggard told me he said, you know, this is the kind of music I much prefer to play, but I usually can't play where in in the mm -hmm. venues where, where where they want to hear me. Now that's that's interesting. You you mentioned I, I, I was kind of skipping back to Duke Ellington and. And you you do a lot on Count Basie in the book also, but you you mention uh, uh, some of the musicians who played. Then Rex Stewart. See if I remember if I remember this correctly. One of your theme songs on the jazz album show right. that you did wasn't that Rex Stewart's Mobile Bay Blues. That's exactly right. You have a very good memory. Well, you know that was when you when you're younger, you remember things that yeah. that stick to your memory. I can't remember what happened last week, but I remember that. So I can almost. I can hear that. Yeah, it, it has. A, it's sort of a call, you know. A call is repeated almost from the other shore, so to speak, and it's it "Come hear the music" kind of thing. You, you also have a. There's a chapter here on Winton Marcellus, and you say things that I have thought about a lot. I keep thinking, you know, Winton Marcellus, fine technician, and all of that. Why do I not get goosebumps when I hear him play? And you talk about that. Yeah, Wynton Marsalis has done one very important thing, and that is, especially in, in his earlier years, he, when he traveled a lot around the country, he was like a Johnny Appleseed. He would find young, sometimes very young musicians, <clears throat> and encourage them, and in a sense, persuade them to listen to and understand the whole of the jazz heritage, which most young musicians never really get around to until maybe later, if at all. But Winton, the performer, I mean, he's tremendously successful. He runs the, um, the, 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 the Lincoln Center jazz uh, operation in New York, and that's now been elevated just last week to an equal status to the opera and the ballet there. Hmm. My problem with Winton is, and I'll tell you, it, 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 it's a conversation I had with Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, Dizzy 
never says never said anything mean about anybody in my, in my knowledge except for Stan Kenton who he couldn't stand <laughs> uh, but when I asked him about Winton I could tell that he wasn't really coming across in terms of what he thought so I said tell me Dizzy have you ever heard Winton laugh and Dizzy broke up there's a kind of solemn almost well, I won't, won't say almost, because I've met the guy. There's a pretentiousness and a pomposity about the man that comes through in the music. Now, if you listen to the music, there's nothing wrong with it. it as you say, the technique is there. He doesn't make any mistakes. But there is a lack of, well, a lack of blues spirit, a lack of, you know, you, you expect somebody his age, he's now in his 30s, to have experienced enough to feel the blues. I mean, the deep blues, yeah. but I don't hear it. Now, you, but you do hear it in, in somebody else you've written quite a good deal about that's in the in the book, Johnny Hodges. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, uh, you know, he could play one note and you knew, hey, that's Johnny Hodges. Yeah, there well, was no... in those days, and this, this, this may be my age, but in those days you could tell <clears throat> many jazz musicians with, by the first note or the first two notes, I'm not sure, so sure that's the case anymore. Benny Carter, who was another musician who has never said anything mean about anybody, then he went down to North Texas State College, uh, where I've been too, and that's where they train musicians, jazz musicians. I don't know where they get work, but they train them. And it's a remarkable uh, experience. They have three big bands and any number of combos, and those guys can play anything. The only problem is, as Benny later said, you know, I hear these guys soloing, and I can't fault them. The only problem is I can't tell one from the other. <laughs> I know it. I know it. That's true. Uh, you know, certain certain people give you goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they make you feel it right down to the gut. Well, like Ben Webster, for example. Oh or yeah. Or Lester Young. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When Ben Ben Webster's playing a a, a ballad, I want to cry and I want to. I want to be with a woman and make love and right, all that kind right. of stuff. And others just, uh, you, you know, play automatically. and You don't really care. I mean, you say, isn't that nice? You yeah. know, and also, it's, it's presence, again, is, is, is so vital. Mingus wouldn't even have to say anything or play the bass. He would just stand there, and you'd know that, that a volcano was about to erupt. And in quite another way, Coltrane had that enormous presence. There was such intensity, such total immersion in what he was trying to do in his music you know you're you're a delight can, I, I would love very much to talk with you again there's so many people i i haven't even talked with you about some of the vocalists that you that you've liked through the years female male all that kind of stuff yeah. we have a chapter on red allen who we used to watch at the savoy so much yeah, I still remember Red. Wamp, wamp. <laughs> red Allen and the... Last call for alcohol. <laughs> yeah, J.C. Higginbottom was yeah. with that that group. John, John Fields, I've kind of lost track. I don't know. John, he... uh, John went off to Florida, and he did some playing, but he also made a living driving a cab. And then, oh, about three years ago, I think he died. Oh, gee. I mean, those were, there were some very, very lovely days. And again, I want to thank you very much, not only for coming on the show with us, but even more important... Uh, for introducing me to this whole area of things that has been goose pimply parts of my life for uh, for a lot of years, and I really appreciate. I don't know what uh, my life would have been a desert without you. And oh, I, I think you that. would have found it. I I have I believe that if you have a a predisposition for some kind of of and I use high art here 
with enormous emotion, uh, you'll find it'll find you. Hey, Ned Hentoff, what a what a kick talking to you. I, Thank I, you. I, let's let's do it again. I want to do it again. I'm glad you said that. And good luck to you. I'll be looking for your next book. But meantime, I'll be rereading the uh, Listen to the store, Stories, Nat Hentoff on Jazz and Country Music on uh, on the Harper Collins. Well, well worth reading by anybody who cares about anything that's really good. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Nat. Good luck to you. You too. Thank you. Rebecca Molly, I'll kind of set the scene here. Uh, Rebecca Molly works for the Middlesex News. She is a reporter and... Uh, if you know me and my background, I happen to be desperately in love and fond of newspaper people having been married to one for a long time and my youngest daughter being a newspaper person and all of that kind of stuff. So you won me over just by the fact that you're in the printed word, Rebecca, and I appreciate that. And I know you're doing a, an article uh, on is overnight radio. That's right. On talk radio kind of stuff. The problem is after you talk with people who do overnight radio, and, and there are very few of them to, to talk with in, in Boston because most of these programs here are syndicated That's during right. the night, so there aren't too many local ones. You would like to talk with people uh, who call talk shows at night. That's right. And, of course, that's kind of hard to track them down when you're listening because they only give their first name in the city and that kind of stuff. So... Am I talking too much? Because you could be saying all that I'm saying. I oh, know you're doing a great job. <laughs> okay, well, I'll continue that. Uh, the idea is, if if you uh, if you don't mind Rebecca talking with you for the article, you may make the column, the story that she's doing, or then again you may not. But but it would be it'd be worthwhile. Why do you call talk radio uh, on the overnight? And uh, would you be willing to talk to Rebecca Molly? Uh, we'll give you her. Her, uh, her phone number and all that kind of stuff uh, off the air. And mostly we want your number, and then we'll, we'll fax it to her at the Middlesex News. But mostly we'd like people from, obviously, the Middlesex News circulation area, which would be the Framingham with Framingham, Hopkinton. Uh, Framingham, Natick, Marlboro, Hudson, Westboro, Southboro, Hopkinton, Holliston, Ashland, and surrounding communities. Okay. And so, so give us a give us a call at uh, you, and you'll talk off the air. We won't put you on the air for this, but you'll talk with Mike Epstein at two five four ten thirty, area code six one seven. We'll see how many how many people call. I guess people are already starting to call now, okay. and then we'll then we'll fax the numbers and stuff to you, and then you can decide who you want to talk to, and after you talk to them, whether you want to use their story or not. But the idea is. Why do you call talk radio? Is that a to tell us? You know what? What exactly you're looking for, Rebecca? Well, um, first of all, I'm interested in who's up that late, <laughs> and right. and I guess what they, why they enjoy calling in or uh, move to call and and give their opinions and uh, why they listen. Yeah, because it, it's, it's an area where I think a lot of people don't realize how many people are up at night. And uh, those people who are up at night, you know, why they're calling talk radio. Mike Epstein, our producer, son of a gun, has just walked into the studio. I think he's desperately in love with you, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm not terribly sure. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you? Rebecca, I, I just had a thought. I know that um, the Middlesex News is kind of a localized region and that you folks um, distribute in the Middlesex area, obviously. 
But would you want to hear from people just in that area? Because we have callers from, from all over all the over state, the, the country, etc. And some of them might want to talk with you. Would that be possible also? Um, I think we'd like to focus on this area, but it might be fun to include a few who are from way out of okay, the area. Well, we can get people who'd like to talk, and we'll just send you a whole list. Okay, yeah. Who, now, the, the, is, is Ken Hart still working for your paper? No, he's not, not anymore. Okay, I'm sorry I brought that up. Oh, that's okay. Now, he worked for the Boston Herald, which is the paper my wife had worked for. And I, he was the editor for a while there, I, I believe. Was he not? Do you know? Have yes, you... he was. That was um, before I came to the paper. Okay, have, you been, have you been a newspaper reporter very long? I've been working at a daily for three years since I've been out of graduate school. And then I worked for a couple of years before that. For a weekly, you mean, or something like that? No, it's always, I've always worked for dailies. Hey, you're lucky. Uh, we do have, at the Middlesex News, we do um, have a couple of dailies that we do work We work for at the same time. The Marlboro Enterprise and the Hudson Sun are weeklies that we also write for. Are those owned by, also by the same people who own the Middlesex News? That's right. Oh, I see. Okay. Because when we talk Middlesex News, that's a pretty good-sized newspaper. You cover uh, not only good-sized territory, but I think I have a feeling your circulation is among the tops among the dailies. Are you not of the suburban dailies? Definitely, yeah. I think the Patriot Ledger is probably the, the biggest. Am I, am I, am I right in the end of the... Uh, you know, I'd have to consult editor, publisher, yeah, yeah. I think. I, I guess it doesn't matter, but it's one of the major ones. The Lawrence Eagle Tribune is also one of the, uh, has one of the biggest circulations. Okay, so the callers out to anybody who would like to uh, uh, have you contact them, why do you call talk shows? Nighttime, you're talking nighttime talk shows That's now. That's right. Okay, why do you do that? And particularly if you live in the in the Middlesex News coverage area around, around Framingham, you might end up seeing your name in the paper. That's right. And what a great thrill that would be. It would open doors for you. It would be just so darn marvelous. <laughs> okay. Okay. Calls are already coming in. I'm okay. going to turn you over to uh, to Mike Epstein, Rebecca. Great. Okay. And he'll uh, he'll get filled in with whatever else other stuff that you need, but I appreciate the call. Well, I, it was nice talking to you. Okay. We'll look for the column. Take care. Okay, two five. Now you can call. You call uh, uh, Mike Epstein about that. If you know, if you in that area that we're talking about, two five four ten thirty area code six one seven, or if you just want to call, and you don't have to call right this minute. If you're busy, call any time during the night. I don't know. There was one. One of the lines was, "Ever shall our team be champions?" And it never came out. It never sounded that way to me. It was always like, "Ever shall I could." teams be pampions or something. Uh, one of the uh, comic strips used to do a takeoff on that kind of stuff where they'd, 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 they'd print a quote that is what people used to say or what they thought it sounded like, which was nothing like what it was intended to sound like. But some things we say over and over again so much that I think after a while we lose track of what they really mean. And that's why I'm asking you to the prom and to the republic for which it stands. Uh, but let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday night? Wait a minute, hold on a minute. Later, I know later on this week, uh, hold on a second, don't, don't go away, hold on. 
some nights we're going to have uh, Jamie Bernard, who's the uh, a critic for the New York Daily News and author of a book called Total Exposure, The Movie Buff's Guide to Celebrity Nude Scenes. Does that sound like an intellectual <laughs> little interview? Uh, she's uncovered... Uh, uh, she uncovers some of Hollywood's most famous nude scenes and the actors behind them. There's even a list of people that she recommends keep their shirts on for the benefit of all. Uh, we'll talk with her. And then also sometime in the week we'll have uh, Richard Allen Heaney, H-E-E-N-E, Heen, comedian and author of the official Offensive Driving Handbook. Fed up with being a defensive driver, he is now on the offensive with tips and instructions on ways to offend other drivers, whether it be uh, drive-by splashing, how to tailgate, or the proper way to moon. You'll find it there. It's Boston Driver's Dream God come true. Although I think that probably Boston drivers don't need too much uh, instruction in any of that kind of stuff. Then we have... Uh, i got to put these together to know what nights these people are going to be on. One night we're going to have the Swell Music Quiz. I think that's uh, that's Thursday night. Uh, into Friday morning, Swell Music Quiz. Ed Mullen, Tony Nesbitt, Jack Hart, Norm Person, Mike Epstein, all kinds of swell people, in which we'll ask you to call... And you tell us, uh, you know, you, you uh, see if you can stump us in various categories. Rock and roll would be one. Uh, the uh, jazz, big bands, uh, musical comedy, all that kind of stuff. Anne-Marie Bivens will be with us uh, sometime during this week. She's the author of a book called 101 Secrets to Winning Beauty Pageants. She's had about 15 years of research on pageant competition. Uh, under her tiara, and she's compiled advice from uh, judges, designers, trainers, and winners to form a guidebook that can give contestants what may be that little edge to achieve their crowning glory. Thank you so much. See, that's what that's about the size of it. And we'll probably have a few more open, more people on the uh, on the show too. And I hold on a minute. You can tell I'm stammering as I look. But that's the kind of week week that we're going to have. Oh, later on, too, uh, later on this morning, we're going to talk with uh, Bruce Lee. You know Bruce Lee? Not the, uh, not the, uh, the karate guy. But Bruce Lee used to be a broadcaster on WEI when it was WEI before it became WHDH and then became WEI. <laughs> anyway, he and his wife, Narita, who's been in the advertising business for the past couple of three years or so, have been living uh, in the Virgin Islands on St. Thomas, and I thought we'd call them sometime after four this morning. The average temperature year-round on the Virgin Islands is something like 175 degrees, and everybody's probably crazed with the dehydration or something there. Anyway, I thought it might be fun, and those of you who remember Bruce, who used to, who did the uh, an all-night show here in Boston, worked at that radio station for quite some time. See, why did they go to the Virgin Islands, and what, what is it like there? And anyway, we'll find out all that. Uh, that's a little bit later on. It's really oriented. I like the really tough ones. Uh, I hate to disappoint. Uh, well, anyways, how come if you keep saying that BZ doesn't have a 
uh, music-wise. How come PZ can play all that Christmas music? No, I don't know. They they may get. I wondered about that myself, and they may get a temporary license just for that one night for the Christmas stuff, or may it can't be because it's all. Uh, public domain because they play a lot of stuff that, that that I know is not public domain. Right. It might be just a one night uh, Christmas a license just for that one day. I uh, I don't know for sure but uh, I would I would guess that may be the case. Right. That's, um, that's my guess. It may be wrong Fred and if so I'd call one of those lawyers who advertises on television and take me to court and sue me for everything I've got. Maybe I could call Neil Chad we could look mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He'll be on in a couple of weeks, and you can check with him. And a guy named Arthur Levine, who uh, does the booking for me, and who will be will be uh, spinning the uh, not spinning, but he'll be playing the tapes and things of old radio shows that we do. Tony knows that. Uh, Tony comes on a lot of shows. Tony and I will be working in a place in Beachmont. As a matter of fact, uh, this coming night, Wednesday night, Beachmont, East Boston. Uh, Beachmont is Revere, actually, oh, okay. part of Revere. But that's a private thing. But the, but the one Sunday night, New Year's Eve, in Beverly, with, and I'll be with Arthur Levine, then he'll be doing the same kind of stuff. Anyway, we'll we'll be there on... Uh, and, and that's open to anybody who, who comes by. I should tell you what church we'll be broadcasting on, but I, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm not aware of it off... I forgot offhand. But we'd be doing two shows, one at 7 and one at 8 that evening. So as a result, I really can't do Neil Chayette looking at the law. Hey, you mentioned Beachmont and Revere. Isn't that where uh, Frankie Max used to be? Exactly. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. You know very well I'm not old enough to remember that Freddie Ross played well, that's, there. <laughs> that, that's right. You said, no, I remember Freddie Ross. I used to go see him all sure. the time. Yeah, no, Freddie Ross, he was one of our favorites. I'm surprised he remembered. You don't sound like no, you've been around that long. I, I know some people who are kind of like your age who talk about it. In fact, I think your friend, your uh, your best friend, Robert from uh, from wherever he's from, uh, Robert from Everett. Yeah. He he mentioned it once or twice that, that doing the army routine. Yes. Whatever that was. Yes, he did it. He did. Yeah, everybody during that period, because we're talking the '40s. It was just after the war ended. So they were still doing army routines and stuff. So I was in the service and the, and the sergeant sitting there go on and on like that. I think that kind of stuff would be terribly unfunny now. I don't. I, I never thought it was all that funny then, but I thought a lot of what Freddie Ross did was kind of fun. Last time I, I heard about him, he was down in Florida, I guess, because retired now. But we'd go to Frankie Max and Beastman. It's kind of interesting you mentioned that because I, I don't know how many other people would, would remember that. But that was the big deal. Go, hey, let's go to Frankie Max and see Freddie Ross. He was the kind of the in guy at that time. Didn't Bob Hope do a really bad shtick about the Army? You know, if you brush your teeth in private, then in general you won't have any cavities. Uh... Well, you know, the thing would be, he'd say, this is Bob Pepsin and Hope saying, if oh, no, private, no, he'd say Bob uh, Army Rank Hope saying, if you brush your teeth in private, you won't have to uh, take out your teeth in general, something like that. Oh, yeah. No, he do no. That's now his his uh, his comedy routines on radio, and that was one of the old radio things, were really terribly unfunny. <laughs> uh, they were really unfunny. I've never understood how he lasted as long as he did, except for the movies he does. I think the uh, you know the road pictures with Bing Crosby. A lot of them are kind of funny. 
and he's done other things that are kind some, of funny. Some of them are trees but the but the radio shows and the TV shows he does now, I think, are even worse than the radio oh. shows. Oh, nice to hear from Philadelphia because KYW there, our uh, sister, I, if we can call our sister station. I don't think of them as my sister station. I think of them as the enemy because they block <laughs> us out from Philadelphia. No, they don't. But they're right in Phil. They're, no. they're they're close to us on the dial there, are they not? Yeah, but you come in nice and strong. And you're right in the city of Philadelphia. Um, yes, yeah, I'm right in the city. See the the station that's really the um well actually the two stations that are the very closest first is WHO, and then right immediately after that is EVD from New York. Oh, WEVD? Yeah. Do you know what EVD stands for? I'm not, I'm not sure. No, because that's an interesting station. Uh, it stands for Eugene V. Debs, who was an early uh, labor leader and stuff. And uh, Eugene yeah. V. Debs, that's who the station yeah. was named. Isn't that fascinating that I yeah. would know that? Because I, I've heard, uh, um, to some extent, I guess, originally, um, you know, a lot of the... Uh, Call letters were named, you know, for different initials. Or originally, it, are, that's are, right. Originally, it was, and now on FM, especially, they they uh, uh, call letters and uh, kind of abbreviations of the kind of music that's played. Like there's a station. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't even want to give them credit because these stations are kind of <laughs> stupid. But uh, but they're but but originally it was they were named for people. Uh, w e e i. You was named for oh, son of a gun. I gave them a plug. Shame on me. It's such a <laughs> carca, it's such a carca station, Aww. but it, it it stood for West uh, uh, Edison Electric Illuminating, mm -hmm. and that you know. So there were a lot of that. Wesx in Salem was Esx was Essex County up that way, and a lot of them were named for the cities. You know, like. Uh, let me see. There used to be a W W L Y N, which was named for Lynn, Massachusetts. I guess st that still exists, and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that's true in Philadelphia. You have W F I L. Did you not? Is, yes, there, is that still yes. in business? Because that obviously would and be for used, Philadelphia. It used to be a music station, and uh, now it's a Christian station. In fact, when um, this Christian company took over last year, they changed the call letters. And then they changed them back. What did they change them to? W G O D or something uh, like that? <laughs> Probably something like that. I, you know what? I can't even remember now. I can't remember what they changed yeah. it to. I knew what it was, and now I can't even remember. Yeah, ob obviously people were felt more strongly about the original call letters, which because I guess is why they changed them back. I, I think they must have gotten some reaction from the people, um, because. Uh, they're saying something like we're changing the call letters back because we want Philadelphia to know, uh, you know, I'm not saying the exact words, but, you know, this is still the same station, WFIL, even, you know, even though we yeah. have different programming, it's still, you know, the same program. Uh, yeah, you know, well, WFIL yeah, yeah, is, a, you know, a very well-known station up that way. And uh, WBZ, I'm trying to figure out what that stands for. I think it stands for We Buy Zebras. Something like <laughs> I think it was that. I think that was the original intent of George Westinghouse. He had a, he had a wild animal farm just outside of Springfield in the Hotel Kimball. Yeah. And he decided uh, 
Yeah, we uh, we have all kinds of animals, but it's hard to find zebras because we don't know whether it's black on white or white on black stripes. And so that's where WBZ came from. Do you believe that? No. <laughs> I know you're a wise person. I, I love you, Norm. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, speaking about radio stations, now, see, here in Philadelphia, now, um, EVD is the one that would probably kind of be snuffed out by... Um, uh, KYW. Yes. You, you, you'd have to look for it very carefully yeah, we're, we're to very, really get it. Yeah, we're very close to KYW. And but, but, but you're okay where you are. Uh, you know, we have no problem getting BZ in. It comes in very clear. I mean, I'm, I'm glad, and, that, and that's why I say, ho, ho, KYW. We get in anyway, even though that's you try to right. block us out. Cockpooey on you, fella. Uh, you know it's it's W H O and 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 E V D that that don't come in as well. And they're kind of hovering close to K Y W. The other thing is, um, unfortunately, I was a, I wasn't able to call in a few weeks ago, but um, he had a a, a guy that called and he was going to uh, New York and he wanted to know if he could get busy um there like in New, the New York City and. Uh, I don't know if he's gone to Long Yeah, Island. New York, we get some calls occasionally from New York City, but that's that's a little tough, too, because there's WINS, which is very close to us on the right. dial. Well, what I was going to tell you is, um, you know, my family is in Long Island, and um, I, I was wondering if I was going to be able to get it, but I but I did, and um, it came, it comes in right, right after the station called WHN. I'm sorry, what's that station called? WHN. Oh, WHN, yeah, that's one of the biggies yeah. there, sure. Yeah. Now, no, we we get calls from Long Island. As long as you get away from the uh, downtown area uh, of of New York City, although we 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 can be heard there some by, in some radios, right. but generally, if you get away from there in upstate New York, there's usually no problem at all. That's true, because in the city, I I don't ever really remember getting. Yeah, easy. as a matter of fact, that but we there's a there's a, a newspaper up in Rochester, New York. Um, I wish I'd forgotten what the call, what the station, what not the station, but the the name of the newspaper. But and one of the one of the writers, a woman named Ritter, had uh, had written a column. She writes a column, and one of, she had one paragraph about us in it, which I thought was really great. And I must have gotten about uh, at least two dozen clippings of that column from people in Rochester. I thought you might like to see this. So apparently we have a lot of listeners up in the Rochester area, and I, I really appreciate it. It's a kind of nice to be in this little big studio, which is really a coat closet. Did she send you the article? Yeah, every, oh, yeah I got at least two dozen copies of the oh, article. Great. Yeah, and I'm, in fact, I mean, we're broadcasting like from a clothes closet. When I get back here, I run into the winter coats. So I have, to, I have to stand closer. I gotta hey, get going. Hey Norm, I you know how you, you like to call some uh, some of the other radio stations? That would be kind of nice. Except you know, I, I gotta. Yeah. Um, on KDKA, all I know he he's on the same hour as you are on. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Bob Loke. He has a very light-hearted show, kind of like yours in a way. You why, know? Don't, why don't we call him? We'll call him after two. B L O G U E. Yeah, and I think his producer's name is Amy. So, um, and then the other thing I wanted to tell you is yeah, I, I love when you rattle your papers. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll rattle them and then I got to get going. We'll call Bob Logue maybe in the next hour, and maybe we can uh, do a little simulcast. Okay. Hey, I'll
evening I am Norm Nathan and damn proud of it Pittsburgh called Bob Logue I shouldn't be giving him publicity but but KDK is a Westinghouse station and you know how we Westinghouse people stick together honoring George Westinghouse and his orchestra anyway uh, his producer Amy and I'm saying this mostly for the woman who suggested we call him she said he had a light show kind of like this this program, in a sense, out in the KDK Pittsburgh uh, through the night, and his producer Amy, uh, and, and was pretty, with all that stuff. Anyway, I guess he's very busy and doesn't want to talk to us. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. Uh, so he said that she was suggesting we called her in today and arrange another time. <clears throat> Amy, when hell freezes over, we'll arrange another time. That's, that, that's kind of I've never run into that before. We've talked with a lot of guys who do all-night shows uh, out of Detroit and many other cities throughout the country, but uh, that's, a, that's, really, that's a rebuff. I think that's a rebuff. I th I, by God, I think that's what that was. <laughs> okay. He probably has no sense of humor. He's probably a stupid idiot anyway, and so what the heck. Anyway, I think I'm being a little strong. I've never heard him, so I don't know what exactly it is he does, except evade me. Anyway, phone number 617-254-1030, area code 617. It is a quiet night here on the Bob Raleigh Show, so if there's anything you'd like to say to me, I, I would certainly, I think, I'd love to hear it. Maybe I wouldn't. But try me and see, 254-1030, area code 617. So, well, uh, well, you know, I really, I have to tell you, I, I'm very busy doing something, and I can't tell you what it is until New Year's, and then I'll tell you why I haven't called. Is it uh, something kind of illicit? Are you doing something illegal? Yeah, I am. Is it, does it I, has to I do am. with naked men or anything like that? No, but that's why I'm up all night and listening to you, but that, I, that's the main reason I haven't called you. But next week I'll call you and tell you the whole story. Story. Okay. That story. But why didn't you call Diana? I thought it would be nice if you called her if she was alone. I, ne I never thought of that. Now, where would you, hold on, let me see. Where would she be now? I, I just read that. She I, was supposedly packing to go to Aspen. They oh, yeah, but she, she's, in, yeah, she's in London. Yeah, that's right. No, she's in London now, but I don't know. She's, where, no, she was at, oh, it does say here. It says, uh, at least one of the papers says she spent. A Christmas Day watching television on her own in her apartment in London's oh, Kensington Palace. So I don't know. Can you get through a palace? I don't know. And but the, I, the time wouldn't be bad because they're five hours ahead of us. It'd be try. about 
Be 20 after 7 on the morning now. I bet she talked to you faster than the other guy that wouldn't talk. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. She was supposed to talk to somebody who identified her as, as her bulimia therapist. What? I, I don't mean to laugh at that because no. I know bulimia is not a thing to laugh at, but but are there people who go around as as you know kind of experts in things like bulimia? I guess so. Bulimia is kind of like vomiting a lot, isn't it? So that you don't gain weight. Yeah, right. Not eating. I'm yeah, eating kind of, and then throwing yeah, up. Yeah, purging, purging your uh, your body, oh, your please. stomach of a. I know it's a sickening topic, but but that's what bulimia is. Anyway, what I really called was I saw your name in the paper tonight when you said some nice things about my old pal Dean Martin. Oh yeah. Yes, I read that yeah. was funny because yesterday morning, you know, being Christmas, my family was all in Florida, so I answered the phone and said good morning, and there was Fred B. Cole calling me to wish me a merry Christmas after all these years. Oh really? And there you both were in the paper together. Today. Yeah, the the uh, Sean Flynn who wrote the uh, that story, he co-wrote that I guess. He said uh, it was a, it was a tough day. It was it was hard to it was hard to reach anybody mm-hmm. to make com- local people to make comments on Dean Martin. So he called he called me and he and he was wondering who else he could call. I and I thought uh, it wouldn't make any sense to call Charles Laguadera. I don't think he right. he might probably doesn't even know who Dean Martin is. Right. I certainly would deny it, and uh, you know, Kiss One Hundred Eight uh, is not exactly the haven for Dean Martin records. Right. So I suggested uh, Fred, and I suggested uh, Bob Clayton, as a matter of fact, also because he would have been playing those records that's at one right, point himself. That's right. So that's how it came out that oh, way, I and see. I thought we made a star again. Our friend, we, we dragged him out of the shadows. He and had him. his 80th birthday, he told me. He's 80 and a half now. Oh, he's 80. Right, he was 86 months ago, he said. Oh, son of a gun, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, really. I um, Years back, many years back when I was in the record business, I was fortunate enough to be in Florida with a girlfriend of mine who was a dancer in Miami. And she was dancing on the bill with Tony Martin. And we walked into the Fontainebleau Hotel, and I was very young then. And he was sitting at a table playing cards with Dean Martin. And knowing me all these years, you know, I'm never at a loss for words. But I was always a big Dean Martin. I just, there was something really sexy about him, you have to admit. So she introduced me to him, and he stood up and shook my hand. And I said, uh, uh, hello? <laughs> And that was it. Uh, no, I. There was one thing. I, you know, as you know, I've never been a big fan of his singing, but I have been a big fan of his in many ways because I think he's a good-looking guy. Right, he dressed yeah. well, he was. and he was kind of, you know, really laid back. A late being laid back is my kind of guy. You know, right. never right. got hysterical about anything. He was kind of cool, and there was something really nice. I thought he was kind of hip in that sense. I didn't really express that to uh, to the reporters like I should have, but. Anyway, that's the way I felt about Dean Martin. I would have liked to have been him. Yeah. You know, I really would have liked yeah, right. liked to have been him. Uh, you know, and he sang as though he was really singing swell. And I thought, uh, and of course, he had a revival with the uh, with the uh, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie in Moonstruck, yeah, the movie. The yeah, right, yeah. right. But I I would have liked. He was a good looking guy. Always had a tan. Always dressed well. Right. And as right. Matt Helms, he was you know great detective right. and and very sharp. I was really kind of surprised to have Frank Sinatra quoted some nice things since there was a lot of bad press during when Frank Sinatra's 
course, I, you know, I didn't get my birthday card from you, by the way. I got a nice note from you, but you missed my birthday. I mean, I'm that, a rat. That's all right. But anyway, you sent, you probably sent my card to Frank because we're born on the same day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you would, you probably went to the party. But anyway, he said he wouldn't forgive Dean Martin for whatever it was, and he was the only one not invited to the 80th birthday party. And now all of a sudden he's quoting him saying he's his brother and all this, that, and the other thing. That's a bunch of baloney. Well, there is a little phoniness. I mean, perhaps you've noticed that in yeah. this business. And Jerry Lewis the same. Could hardly go on and this, well, that, and the other thing. they were kind of reunited, weren't they? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I think it was Sinatra, I think, who got them back together or something a few years back. But yeah. they weren't really, you know. But, the, but they went back. They didn't seem to be back for any length of time after that. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was alone. He was alone a lot. I used to read about him in all those trash. Yeah, well, there. I guess uh, you know, the sad thing is people say that that's those who seem to know say that he never quite recovered from the death of his son right, back correct, in 87. Yeah. That's that's really so sad. Correct. That was in 1987. Yeah. And I think Alan King was in the pay. I didn't read all that, but something about he saw him a couple of years, a couple of weeks before or something like that. He was celebrating his own birthday, and he saw him somewhere in the restaurant, and he said goodbye to him, and he said, I think he has a death wish, really. He was very emotional about the whole yeah. thing. But anyway, but he, he's 78 years old, and that's it. So what else is going on, Normie? <laughs> <laughs> I now see you to ask. The answer is nothing. Uh, oh. I, no, I know. I spent a nice evening with uh, my kids this past night. Oh, good. And that, you know, beyond that, really nothing. I, I usually do the usual thing. As you know, I'm a State Department troubleshooter and advisor to presidents. <laughs> And I have terrible responsibilities bringing peace to the world and all of that kind of thing. Did you have a lovely birthday? I had no time for that because I'm, I'm busy bringing goodness and, and loveliness to people. Oh. I have no time to think of myself. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Well, that's good. I mean, well, whatever. Well, you don't right. you don't quite know how to respond to that, no, do I you? I can, I can tell by the way you're stammering. Anyway. <laughs> oh, hey. A very belated happy birthday. But, I mean, where in New York are you? Uh, right by uh, Riverhead. It's uh, about 35 miles from Montauk. It's right where the fork of the tail starts. Oh, it sounds so beautiful, Charlie. Yeah, and uh, it's a nice area in the summertime. It gets too busy, though. Oh, too busy in the summer. What about now? Is it pretty now with the tourists gone? Yeah, true, true, true. true. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I sometimes hear you talking reminiscent about the... Uh, I used to um, do my homework in uh, Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy, and oh, all yeah. that programs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I used to listen to WOR in New York. Uh, I'm further out now, so I get your station better. And I enjoy everything that uh, it comes on your station. Well, that's very nice of you to say that, Charlie. And I enjoy uh, hearing all these di people talking from different areas. So it's uh, enlightening to me, too. Well, that's good because we know we do. Yeah, we do get a lot of calls from other parts of the country, which is nice. Um, did you used to listen to Gene Shepard when he was on W O R New York? Yes, right. Yeah, because right. he was he was one of my idols. I thought he was uh, did a great job, just sitting there telling stories, and uh, you know, just kind of rambling on the whole night in in a very fascinating way. I wish he were on radio. That's really his medium. Right. Your lifestyle there. I think the greatest gift you can give any anybody 
is the is that their interest in reading because you're never alone you know you're never alone even if they if you can, if you can't read or if you don't get interested in books you, you spend some awfully long hours you know if there are no other people around and that stuff but with a book I just to curl up with a book and read, I think, is one of life's greatest pleasures. You're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not only that with a child. Think of uh, the head start you give a young, very young child. If you start them reading at an early age, you teach them, mm. how to, you teach them to love reading and to love education. And they, you, uh, you just um, start prodding that uh, very imaginative and very uh, curious mind. Children are curious. They certainly are. Guys like uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, for example, he said he was one of these avid readers. He would he would constantly constantly have a book in his hand, and even before he was to go on a platform, he'd be backstage waiting to be addressed, to be introduced to um, to make one of his speeches. He'd be reading. I just constantly he just couldn't take he couldn't stop reading. It was uh, almost a fetish of his. I th I think that is I think that is great. I think that's, a, again, I think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody. Oh, absolutely. And it, by the way, everybody, I'd like to be read, too. Don't you? Yes, I, I, I really would, by somebody who knows how to read yeah. or who, and who who's has something that's of great interest. Uh, we had a woman the other night that well, this kind of all sparked this. This was a woman who had a, a book, uh, mostly Christmas stories. So we were talking about Christmas at that time, and these were stories that she compiled that she thought were great to read to children mm -hmm. and even to adults for the blind on uh -huh. tape yes. uh, maybe record stuff also that, that could be used to you know because the libraries lend out a lot of those kind of uh, things too on tape they do and it's not only for people you know blind people but it's also sighted people who have cassette players in their cars they what in your car that's become that's become they have in some bookstores they have whole departments, a whole sections, the big ones anyway, of uh, books on tape. And yeah. they become very, very popular. I'm probably cutting the throat of broadcasters by saying that. But I think, you know, sometimes there's, there's nothing on radio you want to listen to or, you know, you've heard it all. So you throw in a cassette. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're on a long trip, I'd say, outside oh, sure. the area where, where radio reception is not all that great. I mean, that just has got to fill the hours. Oh, sure. I've read, a, I've read a lot of books on tape. Oh, see, hey, you're my kind of guy, Fred. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for the call, and Happy New Year to happy you. Happy New Year to you. Thanks a lot. Oh, yeah. What, 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 what that was, he would have a one-powered craft pulling a whole lot of, uh, what do they call them? The sky, sky pl the uh, planes, you know, un that are not powered. What do they call it? Gliders. gliders. Sort of gliders, I guess, that kind of stuff. He had the idea that you could travel cross-country uh, pulling these gliders. This would save time. You see, each glider would then be let off at a different airport along the way. One in Chicago, one in New York. That's that's right. As you, as you went along, uh, somebody was only going, say, from Boston to New York City. They'd be in the back glider. And as he got over, like... Logan, uh, not Logan, but uh, LaGuardia Airport or Kennedy, yeah. he, he released the last glider and that would float down. And But but the plane would not have to land and take off again. See, this way he wouldn't uh, be jammed up uh, or it wouldn't take a lot of time. You can make better time that way. Then as he got over Cleveland, whoever wanted to go to Cleveland would have been in the next plane, that kind of stuff. And he'd go cross country 
nonstop, just mm -hmm. just releasing the ground. There must be some something wrong with that whole system. Otherwise, it probably would have been put into effect by now. But I thought, what a great <laughs> idea. He also had a, an electronic something. They didn't call it electronic then. Uh, television detector, I think it was called, even way, way, way back before there was television. And he could look through walls with that. And that sparked my imagination because I thought, I'd, I'd take that and go to the theater district in Boston and uh, go to the dressing, outside the dressing rooms <laughs> and then, yeah, then look, look through the walls. I mean, that produced all kinds of erotic thoughts in my mind. But it was Tom Swift. Did you read many of his books? Oh, I read just about all of them. The, the teacher down at uh, our library told my mother that she thinks I read every book in that library. No kidding. Because I'd come home with about 14, 15 books in, on a weekend, and next weekend I'd go back and get more. Do you still read a lot? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, okay, so that was a habit that started when you were young, and it, you kept going at it. Well, I was, I'm 80 years old now, so... But you still read a lot. Yeah. Then, then I listen a lot, too. I got this books on tape job, too. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. I think that's, a, I think that's such a, a lovely way to spend uh, many, many hours of your life. Did you ever hear this the books that called The Clan of the Cave Bear? Yes, I have heard that. Well, there's four, four books of that. There's The Clan of the Cave Bear, Valley of the Horses, and uh, Mammoth Hunt, and A Passage Home. And I've read that whole thing five times. No kidding. Islands, where the year-round uh, temperature is averages out to be 757 degrees. Uh, a lot of sweating going on. But anyway, the whole, the whole idea of climate and everything sounds very appealing to us as um, we begin our winter with uh, snow covering and all that. And uh, they're both fun, interesting people. We'll get to them in just one minute. The place we were just talking about, Sapphire Village, St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, where they uh, left a while ago, uh, both from this area, well, Bruce from Missouri originally, and uh, anyway, they both lived in Charlestown to the time, until the point where they decided to, to leave this area and go to the American Virgin Islands. And uh, Bruce did the all-night show. And among other things, we're also a newscaster on WEI. When WEI was at 590 on the dial, it's kind of hard to follow the radio, way radio stations are going. WEI is now where WHDH used to be, and there is no WHDH. And you don't care about any of that stuff, do you, Bruce? No. No, you're kind of removed from all of this junk. Do you have extension phones? There's no read on another line? I'm right here, no. Oh, okay. Good morning so, to you. Well, good morning to both of you. I really appreciate you coming on. Although it's uh, coming up to about 13 after 4 in the morning here, it isn't a whole lot uh, later in the day that for you, you're only about an hour later. You're on Atlantic time. We're an hour ahead of you. Uh, well, you can look at it that way if you want yeah, to be snobby uh, about it. Five fifteen here, you know. Okay. okay. Uh, what 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 caused what caused you guys to go? Because I I remember getting cards and stuff from you. I didn't know in advance that you were deciding to to go to the Virgin Islands. I had never known anybody to do anything quite as adventurous as what you've done. I I really admire you for doing that. What what brought that on? Well, Norm. Um, let's see. When EEI. When it toes up, I, uh, you know, lost my job along with everybody else at the radio station. 
Um, and I was, what, 55 at the time. So that put me right in that category of people, you know, who were too young to retire and too old to really do anything very useful. And uh, the business was in bad shape. The, the uh, New England economy was really in a nosedive. And we had purchased this little place in uh, the Virgin Islands with a thought to retire here. So we just decided to come down here, and if we're going to struggle someplace, why we do it? Or we didn't have to buy oil. <laughs> now, the, now the, is the average year-round temperature there? What is it? About eighty? Is that right? Something yeah, like that? But, uh, daytime highs here are about ninety, and at this time of year, the nighttime lows about seventy-five. Oh, that's that is. Pleasant. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, okay, I was going to say that. It's so tough to take. Yeah, right. I, I understand it's 24 degrees there. Oh, yes, that, that's exactly what it is. 24 degrees outside our VZ studios here mm. uh, on uh, Soldiers Field Road. Comfortably cool. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's not, you know, I've, you, well, you know the New England weather. You've lived here a long time. Are you from Missouri originally? Was, was it St. Louis or Kansas no, City? Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Right. So your temperatures out there where you grew up were probably even colder than here. They could be, yeah. That's true. Okay. But, go ahead. No, no, I was going to ask Narita, because Narita had a public relations firm here, her own business, and all of that. We And we did some work together. I still remember, Narita, the, uh, the, the, was it the circus thing we did with you. Oh, yes. Remember, the, that, that was the, uh, the uh, telephone the Pioneers Club. Right, the performance for blind children, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, that yeah. was that was kind of interesting. A partner and I uh, were rigged up by you, who set who set the thing up, and you were on. As a matter of fact, you were on with us. We went to a Boston Garden, and we described the circus to a whole lot of blind people, kids mostly, and a lot from the Perkins Institute, who had earphones on, who could hear what was going on and could smell the the elephants and all the animals and all that kind of stuff. And we would describe what was happening, which was kind of tough because there were three rings going on. And that was, I, I've never forgotten that day. I thought it was just absolutely fascinating. And I remember you doing very well. You kind of uh, came in as the color person. Yes, I didn't yeah. have much choice. <laughs> when, when, Bruce, when Bruce decided, uh, uh, you know, everything was falling apart in radio, because you gave up your own firm and then decided to, to go to the Virgin Islands, was that it? Tough decision to make? Well, it wasn't very tough because at the time we decided on it, it was snowing out. <laughs> Did you? Oh, obviously, you went during the winter time then, yes. said he. You can so tell. it was easy to come down here to warm up. Now, as a matter of fact, we were, when we were talking on the phone uh, several hours ago, and I was asking if you'd, you'd be kind enough to come on the air with me, you were talking about a lack of power. Uh, as a result of hurricanes, you've had a couple of bad hurricanes, one of which knocked out the power for, did you say 11, 12 weeks, something like that? 11 weeks we were without power and water. We still don't have TV. We won't have that back until June or July. But uh, it was, we had two hurricanes in one week, Hurricane Lewis and Hurricane Maryland. Maryland was the one that really devastated the island. Is that is that a is that something that you that you're especially vulnerable to hurricanes when you're there on the Virgin Islands? There's no question about it. 
Yeah, yeah. So you're right on the track, more, more so on the track than most uh, places are. Right. But the last time we had a hurricane was back in 1989. That was when Hurricane Hugo came through. So it isn't something that happens every year, we hope. <laughs> well, that, that was only six years ago. That, and then you yeah. have this, this, this brutal attack this time. Uh, do you have do you have uh, much television? You you mentioned television was out. We don't have any television. You don't have any right well, now. That's a, that's a slight exaggeration. There's one PBS station down here on the island of Saint Croix, but it doesn't operate very well. The transmitter breaks down all the time, <laughs> and uh, we can barely get it when it's at its peak. Uh, so we don't bother with that. We run a lot of movies and. Uh, as long as we have power, we can entertain ourselves, you know. But even radio is gone, Norm. Uh, the, all the power is blew down. So even if you have a portable radio, you mean there's there's no reception there either? Well, we have now, I guess we have three AMs back. As you know, setting, you know, stringing the, the copper for an FM isn't that complicated, so they've come back pretty good. But uh, we don't have a CBS station here, for instance. Mm. So you don't get you really really don't get any network news. I <laughs> I've been trying to get Denver uh, to set the clocks. You know that sort of silly simple stuff. <laughs> what now? What the, what, yeah, the, what time is it, Norm? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll keep calling if you'd like. Uh, yeah, would you please? <laughs> yeah, we're coming up to nineteen after oh, four in about thank you. in about uh, well after four here though. So you can set it an hour ahead. Uh, ten, 10 seconds before 4.19. Oh, thank you, Norm. <laughs> I'll call you again every hour right. for, for as long as you need to. And then, I can't, it's, it's hard for, I think, for us to imagine that power would be out for the number of weeks you're talking about. And yet, you were mentioning, Norita, when I was talking to you before, that it doesn't, I mean, it matters and all that, but at least it doesn't, you don't worry about the, the furnace going out and there being no heat or anything like that. That's True. Be, because of the weather, does it take long to probably? I don't. This is a really stupid question, but I I, I major in stupid questions. <laughs> is it does is it is it tough to get used to a eighty degree weather all the time? Do you, do you miss falls with a nip in the air and all that? No, I don't miss it one bit. When it gets down to about seventy here, I'm cold. That's cold enough <laughs> for me. <laughs> Somebody, somebody, a friend of mine who lives down in Florida during the wintertime said that, and I thought he was wanting to rub my nose in it when he's, I thought he had to be joking. No, it's true. Once you acclimate, it's really, you're, you're subjected, you feel the ups and downs in the temperature, even though it's five degrees difference. There was a book out at one time called uh, something about windmills, and it was about life on an island that was sort of similar to to the island you're on, the Virgin, you're St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands, and the fact that there were some problems because local help wasn't as uh, uh, receptive to doing much of anything as 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 much as back here in the states. Mm -hmm. Am I exaggerating that, or do you run into that at all there? No, <laughs> you're not exaggerating. <laughs> You know, I don't want to insult anybody, so I don't want to really get into it, but it's a problem. But 
But they can't hear us anyway because you guys have had, had no oh, power. somebody will write back. Right. <laughs> Even though we don't have radios, they'll write back. <laughs> but I remember that was the theme of, of who wrote that? I'm trying to think of who wrote Well, there's that. a book called Don't Stop the Carnival. That's the one. Uh, uh, very popular and... Uh, who wrote that? Maria? Herman Woke, wasn't it? Herman Woke, that's right. Yes. That's right. Yes, he wrote it here in St. Thomas. Okay, so he it was... sort of tells the story. Oh, so he was describing St. Thomas... Oh, uh, yes. ...with the fact that trying to get, like, repairs, if you have a problem uh, with plumbing or whatever, it's, it's, he, he made it sound like it's impossible to ever have anybody do anything about it. Well, you, what you do is you fix it yourself or throw it away and buy a new one. <laughs> can you buy a new one? Uh, sometimes, and they can always have something flown in. Is it is it tough to make a living when you're living in these, uh, uh, these, these lovely, lovely conditions? Very, very tough. The cost of living is high and the uh, wage scale is low. I'm very fortunate in that I have a job where I manage a, an office for a company. So I have a salary and so forth. But most people coming here, it takes about three years really to uh, turn it, you know, get yourself turned around. By turned around, now what do you mean by that? Well, it, to where you're supporting yourself. You're huh. generating income and you have a place to live and so forth. It's, it's sort of a three-year wall that you have to get over. And uh, we've done that and gone beyond it, so we're very fortunate. And we love it here. And you, Norita, you, you've got things going for you there? Uh, I, do, I do. I have a few things going. Before the hurricane, I was a reporter for the Virgin Islands Business Journal. But since the hurricane, we have no more business journal. <laughs> so I'm now running the office here at our condo, the uh, Sapphire Village Condo Association office. She's very strict, Norm. Yes. And I'm doing a little bit of freelance writing for two other publications, one of which is distributed on 19 islands. So I get around. <laughs> okay, so when we talk, see now, I, I probably am typical of the ignorance of people about your whole area. When you said, now, the Virgin Islands and St. Thomas is one of them. What is that like? I mean, I'm, you said there are about 19 islands? Oh, uh, no, the newspaper is distributed on 19 islands. They, it, they distribute it from the U.S. Virgin Islands all the way down to Venezuela. Okay. It's a newspaper for boaties. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a newspaper for what? For people who own yachts and boats. Oh, boaties. Yes. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yes. Uh, but but the Virgin Island the Virgin Islands is not like the Hawaiian Islands and with a whole string of islands just that one. There are three U.S. Virgin Islands and just eleven miles away from us are the British Virgin Islands. So and, it's easy enough to go over there, just hop a ferry and. And there you are. And it's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous over there at the British Virgin Islands. More so than the American side. No, each one is distinct. Each one has its own particular point of beauty. Now, you, if you really want to see some beauty uh, mm -hmm. in the USVI, you go to St. John, which is uh, mostly national park. It's just gorgeous. Well, now, okay, so we got St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands, St. John, and there are other islands there too. 
Well, sure. St. Croix is the third U.S. Virgin Island. Mm. Yeah, okay. The three virgins are the, you know, St. Thomas, St. Croix, St. John. And then the BVI, the British Virgin Islands, includes uh, Tortola and Virgin Gorda, where we just spent a weekend. That's a beautiful little island. Uh, there's always some place to go. Okay, see, I'm, I know I'm asking questions that you know, the the answers I, I'm sure are obvious to you, but that's a part of the world I really know absolutely nothing about. I don't need to explain. I know nothing about it. I've just explained that, I guess, by the questions. Now, Sapphire Village is one of the one of the little communities on St. Thomas. Are there many communities like that? Well, Sapphire Village is a condominium complex, and uh, it's out on the east end of the island. There's really only one city on the island, and that's Charlotte Amalie, uh, the cruise ship port. And that's the uh, the financial center for the U.S. Virgin Islands. This is the mm -hmm. busy part where all the business takes place. And Move. where we live is uh, somewhat isolated from, from that, although the east end of the island is becoming more and more commercial. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, a gorgeous uh, complex set up on the side of a mountain. And we are just, you know, we walk to the ocean and uh, have a beautiful view. And thank God the people who built this place knew what they were doing. And it's withstood all the hurricanes and so forth with minimal damage. Mm -hmm. uh, now, do you have, you mentioned the business newspaper that's, that's out of business right now. Right. Uh, how do you get your news then? You, you, radio is just coming back you have no television or you very little door, television. You call us now once an hour what's going on so how do you get how do you, how, how do you get news we do have a daily publication it's the Gannett newspaper hmm. and uh, they keep us informed but we also one of the radio stations that was destroyed was just bought by a Bostonian the uh, Knight family oh really Yes, they just bought it, and we're very excited because they know it's going to be great. It's a big, good source for news and information. Yeah, they're not on the air yet, Norm. They, uh... They'll be on in February. Is that is that Norman Knight? Yes, and uh, Sand, uh, Randy, his son, who used to own the cable TV system down here, he just sold it before the hurricane. Yeah, Randy's got a big smile on his face. He uh... Yeah. You know, he put the check in the bank about seven days before the hurricane hit. Mm. And we're not going to have cable TV until June or July. <laughs> have, you, have you had cable in the past? Oh, sure. Yeah, Randy uh, built up the cable system. But we didn't subscribe to cable. We got our news through the satellite dishes. They were all destroyed, though, during the hurricane. So it sort of leaves you with... Uh... Nothing. <laughs> a hole in your life where you're used to having instant uh, access to news. What I do every day is uh, when I get up in the morning, I usually turn on the computer and dial up CompuServe and uh, pull down the uh, hourly from AP. So we have our own little newspaper here. <laughs> we print it out, and that's it. That's where we uh, find out about, you know, passing a Dean Martin and terrible airplane crashes and stuff and oh, i'm not sure i miss all that no now what about now what about local news yeah uh are there is is there do you have much crime or anything like that on, on the island well, that, there's a lot made about that no we don't norm uh 
there is crime. I mean, any place you have humans, unfortunately, you're going to have uh, the socially challenged. But uh, we have a place for those folks called Golden Grove over in St. Croix. <laughs> uh, but no, crime isn't that bad here. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's there. And uh, unfortunately, newspapers and the news business tends to seize on that. If there's a murder or something, it's always big news in the States. And we hate to see that because then people get frightened and they don't come see us, you know. Do you keep your, is it, is it uh, the kind of place where you would not lock your doors or your, your automobile? You wouldn't worry well, about I, that? St. Thomas, because it's heavily populated, uh, I think you have to use common sense. In St. John, I know people don't lock their doors, and I know on Virgin Gorda, where we just spent the weekend, they are very open, and they don't they don't have any crime over there. It's I can't begin to tell you how how nice it is to talk to you guys. I, I have one other question too, and that had uh, oh we have we have somebody on the line who would like to talk with you. By, by the way, our number is two five four ten thirty area code six one seven. Fell off New Hampshire said he had a friend who was move to where you guys are. Yeah. And I'll bring him in in a minute, but I was wondering about Christmas and all that stuff. Does that uh, does that seem strange to you when, when the weather is so warm and all that? Well, you know, that's a very individual thing. I'd have to let Narita speak for herself. Um, I've never really been a big Christmas fan, but that's mm. just a personal thing with me. Uh, I, Narita's from a big family, and she may have a different attitude. How do you feel about that? Uh, are we talking about the climate at Christmas? Yeah, the fact that uh, yeah you're celebrating Christmas at a time when it's so warm and it, uh, it how do you get into the Christmas spirit with that kind of weather? Well, you just go for a swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is what I did yesterday. So, so it still seems like Christmas to you? Yes, because people down here really go all out for Christmas. They buy Christmas trees, live trees. Um, everything is decorated. A lot of people got their power back about, oh, about 10 days before Christmas. So up went the Christmas lights. Okay, let me, let me get to Jim in New Hampshire, see what, uh, see what kind of comedy he'd care to make. Uh, Jim, you're on WBC. How you doing? Happy holidays, Norm. Happy holidays Mr. to you. Lee, I was wondering if you happened to run into a number of people down in St. Thomas who came from the north shore of Salem and Marblehead who were running charters out of the, that area. Norm, uh, if he's talking to us, you're going to have to relay it. We can't hear him. Okay, I guess we uh, they couldn't hear you. Could you get closer to the phone and speak up a little bit, Is Jim? Is that and better, Norm? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Just speak up a little bit. It's still kind of low. Okay. Well, I had a number of friends who I went to college with at Salem State, and uh, during the uh, middle to late 80s, they uh, picked up uh, their stakes and moved down to St. Thomas and have been running charters out of the uh, out of St. Thomas. So I was wondering if he had run into any uh, Bastonians. Okay. Over. Did you did you did you get catch any of that? These are yeah, some people. Huge down here, as you can well imagine. Um, it's the perfect place. Uh, the fishing is great. The you know yachting is just a dream down here. If you're into boats, I'm from Kansas City, so I don't know one end of a boat from another. But people who are into that sort of thing are just in heaven down here. Well, to, next time you uh, have a chance to take a stroll along the uh, the harbor, there, take a look for a couple of them. That one of them. 
is registered out of Marblehead, Massachusetts, and uh, when you see that one, ask for Steve. Okay, did you get that? When you we see, have, um, we have a whole fleet of sailboats from Marblehead down here at Compass Point. Oh boy! <laughs> oh really? There's yes, a bunch of them that uh, I grew up with and went to college with, and they all decided to uh, take uh, their their money and uh, run. So. Uh, Next time Sounds you're like in the a area, good idea to me. <laughs> next time you're in the area, just tell them that, uh, just check around and find out. But uh, happy holidays to you all. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you for the call. We have a, a woman from uh, Wayland, Susan, who says, you, you say you have a family in the Virgin Islands? Uh, no, I have a son in the Virgin Islands. You have a son who's in the uh, Virgin Islands? He's actually in the Caribbean. Um he went down last April to go to medical school, and the school began on Montserrat, and he was there, and lo and behold, um, a volcano erupted. So um, he had to leave there. He came home, and everything smelled like rotten eggs from the sulfur. <laughs> uh, he then went back. They, they relocated the school to St. Martin. And he went back on a Thursday, and the hurricane hit on a Monday. Yeah, St. Martin got hurt real bad with Luis. Oh, yeah, and he was on the Dutch side, and um, and he had, he um, was living in a home, and uh, the home, most of the rooms got blown away. So, um, I don't know, they, they ended up living somewhere, and... They uh, and well before this, um, all the doors had blown out. And they were still living in the house, and they were going to go to the beach. So they took all their valuables, and they put it in the trunk of a car that they had. And when they got back from the beach, somebody had pried open the trunk of a car, and everything was stolen. Oh, that's a shame. And um, anyway, he's down there, and um, I guess um, I'm going down there in March. But I guess um, that there because it has the largest landing strip of all the islands that they are um, making the most headway in clearing that island up for the tourists. And basically, um, sort of like what you have, the only two things that they don't seem to have now is cable and some parts still don't have telephone. Well, for people who don't know, St. Martin is a an island that's divided between the Dutch and the French. Right. This is French St. Martin and Dutch St. Martin. Uh, most of their infrastructure there is buried in the ground, unlike the USVI where everything's up in the air. So things like power uh, were restored very quickly, but there was a lot of physical damage on the island. The company I'm with uh, does a lot of business there, so we miss them. And uh, I certainly hope they are rebuilding quickly. Uh, well, they have rebuilt quickly. And, um, in fact, I have reservations at a hotel that was almost totally demolished. I guess they um, were building 24 hours a day around the clock and clearing the roads. And, like I said, the only thing now he said they don't have is cable. And um, he's on the Dutch side. He does have telephone service, but most of the French side still doesn't. Okay. Hey, thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate the call. We have a couple other people, including Ken, who is uh, in his car, and he says that his dad worked with you, Bruce. Uh, Ken, are you there? Hi, yeah. 
I, my father didn't work with him, but we used to be on your show all the time, Bruce. Kenny Gloss? Yeah. Hey, Kenny, how you doing, man? Good. I mean, this is... I'm driving to New York City to look at some books. I turn on the radio, and uh, they, 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 you two are. Yeah, I miss you guys. So. Uh -huh. well, I don't have any place to go to buy books, Kenny. Well, what you should do now with the uh, fax or email, send us up, and we'll ship them down. You got it, man. <laughs> uh, but with, with you down there, I obviously hear that you're doing pretty well and all that. But uh, do you ever get back up into the States, or do you go back for supplies, or is it all flown in? Well, no, everything's flown in. I've been too busy to go back to the States. I had to go back once very quickly for a funeral, and I haven't been back since, you know, except for that one trip. Narita goes back once in a while to see her family because she has such a large family there in Boston. But, um, so it sounds like everything's going great. I just wanted to... I couldn't resist calling, saying hi, wishing you a happy new year, uh, and uh, right up, we'll send books down. Oh, bless your heart. Give your give our love to your mother. I will. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye, Kent. That was kind of, that's kind of nice. Uh, yeah, how about that? Uh, yeah. Let's, here's Lynn, who says, uh, you, uh, Lynn is from North Andover. You, you lived uh, on, at St. Thomas at one time? Yes, I did. I was there in the early 80s. And uh, I absolutely love it. I had made plans to go back this spring. And I'm wondering how bad the damage is. Cause I, well, I then, uh, the, the hotels, for the most part, aren't open yet. But they're just right on the verge of opening. <laughs> uh, Stouffer's, which is a four-star resort, uh, just for people who don't know, was just devastated by Maryland. Yeah. And that's going to take them a while. It'll be June before they open. Uh, the two big hotels on St. John are also closed until June, but the reef is open. and uh, Sapphire Beach Hotel is open. Right, I'm and concerned. we're open. I mean, the, most of the places are coming back now. We're, we're, we're kind of worried about seeing it, all the damage. I, I was going to go back with my friend that lived there, too, with me. And well, you know, the, the roofs that blew off have all been replaced by tarps. Really? And the tarpaulins are provided by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Yeah. And they're all the same color. They're blue. So when you fly around the island, it's a blue island. It's, <laughs> you know, traditionally the roofs here are red, but uh, now they're all FEMA blue. Is it as beautiful as I remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the foliage is coming back. That was always very sad to see I the lived on, I live down in Lurkinland, down oh. in Hull's Bay. Yes. Do you, do you, how, how did they fare? How they, well, they had a big party there over the weekend. Did so they? they're back in business. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do come see us. Uh, the island is uh, ready. We're ready for you. As a matter of fact, we had seven cruise ships yesterday. You did? Yep. All right. And I, give us a call when you get here. What, um, how We're in about, the book. I worked on, um, in Drake's Alley. Right. Um, up above in the offices up there. Oh, at Corporate Place, is that? Um, yeah, there was a lot of offices. I worked for an accountant. Right. And um, it, it was right above, uh, I forget the restaurant, but I, uh, I, I saw a picture of it, and it looked horrible. Oh, that's where the uh, boats washed up. Right. But it's all right. They're back in business. Well, uh, Drake's Passage is open. Oh, I'm, great. I'm glad to hear that. What right. about Moffaly? I had some friends that owned Moffaly. Well, they uh, got hurt real bad. Yeah, they I got think. hurt pretty bad. Uh, oh. Friends of ours lost.
front of their home, but they're rebuilding. Oh, that's great. It, the strength of the people down here is amazing. They just bounce back. Well, I would love to move back there. It's the most amazing place in the world. We'll come, I'm, come ahead. I'm glad to hear that it's coming back. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay, give, us thank a, you. give us a call when you get here. All righty. Hey, thanks, thanks, thanks for coming. Uh, Steve Sprasia and his wife Susan stopped to see us. Oh yes, I know that. I that, that they mentioned that. Oh, that's that's great. That was a great treat for us. They're good people, and they have a new baby, you know. I know. I saw. Oh yeah. They sent us a picture. Oh. Let's take take a break. There, the, the, I'm I'm amazed at the number of people who want to talk to you. <laughs> and anyway, we have uh, Bruce and Arita Lee on the line from Sapphire Village. St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands, and everybody in the world back here wants to talk with you, including uh, Mr. B. Mr. B. Uh, from Boston, you you say you you work with uh, Bruce Lee or with Narita Lee? I'm a psychic called the Amazing Mr. B of ESP. I did shows with Bruce Lee from 12 to 5 in the morning on uh, his station, and uh, it's been a long time, Bruce. Hey, yes, Barry, uh, how you doing, man? Uh, excellent. Uh, I'm really glad to hear, you know, uh, hear you on the radio. Uh, yeah. I wondered what happened to you all these years. You want to walk uh, through my refrigerator? Yeah, I, I'll <laughs> tell you, you know, when I called you, Norman told you that I see through telephones and I'm a professional psychic. May not have wanted to believe me, but Bruce can tell you, I did five-hour shows with him with the most amazing accuracy. As a matter of fact, Bruce Lee made the National Enquirer with me on page one and page two. Yeah, boy, there's an achievement. And, yeah, well, I, w I would say so. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, I've been doing, uh, I sing in clubs, Bruce. Yeah? Uh, I do uh, four nights a week of club work. I just came off the Jerry Springer show uh, a few months ago. Of course, I did Jerry's show last year. And uh, going on my 28th year of being a professional psychic, as you well know, we, even you and I go back so long ago, it's unbelievable. Well, I'm delighted to know you're doing well, Barry, and uh, it's, uh, it's good to hear your voice, man. And, and I remember your wife. I remember uh, the time that uh, I believed that we went up your house or whatever it was. It goes back a long, long time, and it's just great to hear your voice because, uh, like I said before, Bruce Lee... Uh, no doubt about it, when you were with, we, we won't mention station names. W-E-E-I, I'll mention right. it. But, uh, yeah, we, we I, no I shame always said that Bruce Lee was one of the best, and uh, I told him that to his face, and I said it before, and I miss, I miss hearing you, Bruce, and uh, have a happy new year with your wife, and uh, Norm, you keep up the good work, and it's been great talking to you. Nice talking to you, Mr. B. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye. What amazes me is uh, I didn't, you know, we just worked on this interview last night. I was talking with you. I said, I'd, I'd love to have you on. But I, I, we didn't make a big promotional thing about it. Yet everybody in the world, obviously, some, are you still there? The Lee's still there? Oh, I hope I haven't lost them. Oh, I knocked him off instead of Mr. B. Can we call them back again? Yeah, let's. Peter Lee. Yeah, I'm Norman. I, I didn't know Rita Bruce. Are you are you no. on a are you on a a, 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 portable? No. a portable phone or anything? No, no. I just have a, a wicked cold. <laughs> no, there isn't so much that we're getting a lot of. Uh, Norm, I think the static is on this end. It's a legacy of the hurricane. You may have to let's, uh, let's hang up and try it again.
Okay. Uh, okay, you want to do that? Or let's just talk with Joan first, because we're going to be going off the air in a few minutes anyway. Okay. Let's see if we can't uh, All right. We can't work this anyway. Did you, you, you're talking, Joan, do you went to school with Norita? Or you had yes, I did. We missed you at the reunion this year. Norita? Hi, Joan, I can barely hear you. Yeah, I know, the static is terrible. Yes, Joan Rogers. Yeah? How are you, Joan? Oh, doing okay. Good. Yeah, how you been? We're doing fine. We're getting back to normal. Yeah. What what school was this where they... Girls uh, Eye. Which one? Girls Eye in Boston. Okay. It's obsolete now. <laughs> yeah, Joan had called me right after Hurricane Lewis to be sure we were okay. Oh, sure. And I assured her we were fine, and then along came Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's good hearing you on the radio. Okay, and along, when Marilyn came, that was the that was the hurricane responsible for the 11, 11 weeks of outage? That's right. Oh, uh, boy. Actually, the power went out with Lewis, and it came back on two days before Marilyn hit, so that would have been 12 weeks without power. So, no, really, you wouldn't go back, huh? No, no. It's warm here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good hearing you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Joan. Happy yeah. New Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Jonah. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. got to watch out what I'm clipping off here. <laughs> Could you clip her off for me instead? Because uh, I'm talking to a Mike Epstein, our producer. I don't, I don't want to even go near that thing. Okay, our phone number is 254-1030. We take maybe one or two more calls. And the uh, the line seems to have cleared a little bit. You're, you're, you're a little bit better than than the, the way it is. It's going to be a long day for you because you guys have got up. Uh... Okay, anyway, uh... anyway, it's going to be a long day for you guys, having gotten up this early. I well, really... that's all right, Norm. Uh, you know, we'll probably take a nap by the pool. Take a siesta. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you. I love. I love hearing that kind of talk. We'll take. We'll probably take a nap by the pool. Oh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> I'm just very jealous about all of that kind of stuff. Now I want to. We're rubbing it in, Norm. I'm sorry. I know, you really are, and I find that very nasty and unlike you. Anyway, I want to thank you very much. We're going to have to be going off here in a couple of minutes. But I really appreciate talking to both of you. This is great. I I don't know why I never thought to do this earlier. Because you've been down there how long now? Well, four years now. Yeah, and the yeah. first, and the first, because we've uh, we've written to each other, and I, I see your Christmas cards and all that. But I, I guess I've, I haven't talked to you for a while. But I'm glad to, and I wish you both the very best. You're both very good people, and I hope life is sweet. And uh, well, 1996 you. I just is great. Get on any, almost any cruise ship, and it will stop here. And give us a call or fly in, however you want to do it. Become see us. Uh, Okay. Extend that invitation to everybody and happy new year. Okay, I guess I guess we I guess there's one more person who would like to talk to you also. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay, let's see. What where is where is this line one? Oh, this is Joan Oh uh, uh, John rather John. Know, from Charlestown. Yeah. Did, were you neighbors of the least? Oh, I knew their mother and father, their sisters. You did? Yeah, my my wife went to school with them and everything else. Joan who? John Tagliatella. Oh, John, how are you? How are you doing? The Parker Street Gang. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm listening to the radio, and I'm, he I'm hearing you and Bruce. <laughs> Did it come as kind of a big shock to you? 
Pardon? Was it a big shock to you to hear suddenly hear oh, Bruce yeah. and Marita on the I, line? Because I used to have, I drove truck and I used to have coffee with them early in the morning. McGrath Highway in Solo. I see a little restaurant there. Right. Yeah. When Bruce had come down, I went to hell. <laughs> well, <laughs> please give Jane our best and the whole family, in fact. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for calling, John. All right. Marita. Yes. Merry Christmas. You and your husband. Thanks. I'm not getting that. She's sleeping. Happy New Year to you. Hi, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, Norm, as I was saying, come see us. That invitation goes out to all the BZ listeners, and uh, don't be afraid to come here. This is a great spot. Okay, I appreciate that, Ramos. It's been a delight to talk with you both. Well, and, we've had fun, too. Okay, and thank you very much, and we'll be in, we'll be in touch in the future more often. Okay, I certainly yeah. hope so, Norm. Take okay. care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Narita, and bye-bye, Bruce uh, Lee. Uh, again, Bruce was with uh, WEI, and we worked together way back. Back in the uh, back in the, the mid, mid-70s, mid it was primarily, mid to late 70s, although Bruce had been there for a lot of years. He, was the, he did an all-night show for some time, as you heard the uh, psychic mention. And then... Uh, and then he, when when BZ when EEI went all news in 1974, he became a. That's what he did then. So I just wondered how many of you remembered Bruce, but apparently a whole lot of people. Because that that's amazes me the amount of people who called to say hello to the Lees again because we didn't advertise the fact that they'd be on or anything. So you just happened to be listening and you knew the voices. So that's good. Anyway, seven before five. We'll get into uh, news with Gary Lapierre and the uh, whole WBZ news team and, of course, the latest weather and sports and all kinds of stuff coming up at 5 o'clock, which, uh, which is not too many minutes from now. And if you'd like to talk to me, oh, I would be just Gorelick and myself, the almost good-looking Norm Nathan person. I hope you have a chance to uh, join us tonight. We'll be back overnight again sitting in for Bob on the Bob Raleigh Show. And uh, if you can join us right throughout the week, I certainly would appreciate that very much. I hope you all had a wonderful time with your families and friends. My plan is to try to get one more episode out before the end of the year. If I do not, then let me be the first to say, see you next year. Closing the vault and leaving this world a little sillier than we found it. For Nat Hentoff, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys, Jimmy Rogers, the singing brakeman, Roundup Time with Texas Irving Hankmeyer, Summerfields, the genius of Duke Ellington, the sound of jazz, Merle Haggard, Rick Stewart's Mobile Bay Blues, Johnny Hodges, Harper Collins, Rebecca Molly, the Middlesex News, Overnight Talk Radio, Jamie Bernard, Richard Allen Heen, Anne-Marie Bivens, Bruce and Narita Lee, TV Lawyers, Arthur Levine, Neil Chayette, Frankie Max, Beachmont, Brushing your teeth in private. Hawk pooey stations that would interrupt our signal throughout the country. Broadcasting from the coat closet. Bob Logue and his producer Amy of KDKA in Pittsburgh, who were too busy to talk to us. Hey, when the phone don't ring, you'll know it's us calling. Rattling papers. Trying to call Princess Diana at Kensington Palace. Fred B. Cole. Bob Clayton. Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. Reading. Books. Tom Swift, that fantastic color, FEMA Blue, Sapphire Village, St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, 
the Parker Street Gang, Marilyn Gorelnik, Mike Epstein, and that Dean Martin wannabe, State Department troubleshooter and advisor to presidents, Norm Nathan, I'm Tony Nesbitt.